and just minister to the Lord and bless him. Give God praise from the depth of your heart. Give him praise. Go ahead and praise him. Thank him. Thank him, thank him, thank him. Come on, go ahead and praise him and bless him. Praise him and bless him. Praise him and bless him. Blessed be the name of the Lord. We give you praise and glory. Wow. In Jesus' mighty name, we have given thanks. And so, Father, we are grateful for the privilege you've given to us to gather together again at your feet to learn your word. Thank you for the light that you have heaped up for us in Christ. Thank you for the privilege of learning and growing and learning and growing and increasing in understanding. We give you praise. Be exalted, Lord, in Jesus' name. We ask, Heavenly Father, that you would teach us much more your word today in the name of Jesus Christ and let our understanding be illuminated in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Thank you, Heavenly Father. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Say a big amen. amen. Hallelujah. Please, you may be seated in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. This is still our month of financial prosperity. Glory to God. And we have been looking at the subject of financial prosperity from the Bible, particularly with emphasis on doing the word, the obedience of faith. Today we want to look at the subject of tithing. Praise God. <laughs> tithing, tithing, tithing. All right. Um, the subject of tithing in the Bible, particularly in the New Testament, is one of the subjects that is most uh, challenged, uh, most questioned. And it is because there are a couple of gray areas regarding tithing. And somehow, um, we do not have a lot of elaborate teachings with guidelines uh, based on scriptures on tithing. Um, it is just said generally as something that we ought to do, but people don't have a good and rounded understanding of the subject of tithing. So there are a lot of questions around tithing. Should we tithe in the New Testament? Is tithing scriptural? Is tithing meant for the New Testament believer? Uh, didn't tithing pass away with the law? Hallelujah. Glory to God. So, a lot of questions. But today, by the grace of God, um, I want to teach on the subject of tithing uh, scripturally based on the word of God. And everything that I'm going to be saying on tithing is, will be found in scriptures. Praise God. All right, so what is the tithe? That's the first thing. Now, when you talk about the tithe, the tithe, the tithe, what is the tithe? Now, in Genesis chapter number 28 and verse 22, the tithe is referred to as the tenth. The tenth. Now, and this stone, when Jacob made a vow to God, he says, And this stone, which I have set for a pillar, shall be God's house. And of all that thou shalt give me, I will surely give thee the tenth 
unto thee. So I shall give thee the tenth. So the word the tenth there is called tithe. So tithe is the tenth. That means if you have anything and divide it into ten different parts, one part of the tenth is called what? Tithe. So that's the tenth. In other words, um, in our own parlance today, we call it 10% of anything. It is called the tithe. So the tithe is the tenth from scriptures. Genesis 28 and verse 22. So, if we look at the subject of tithing, the first mention of tithing in scriptures is found in the book of Genesis chapter number 14. Genesis chapter number 14, if we start reading from verse 18 to 20. And Melchizedek, king of Salem, brought forth bread and wine, and he was the priest of the Most High God. And he, Melchizedek, blessed Abraham, him, Abraham there, all right, and said, Blessed be Abraham of the Most High God, possessor of heaven and earth. And verse 20, and blessed be the most high God, which had delivered an enemies into thine hand. And he, Abraham, gave him, Melchizedek, tithes of all. So here, we see the word tithes there. That's the first mention of the word tithes in scriptures. Glory to God. Literally. There had been concepts of tithing before this first mention, but literally, as in tithe, T-I-T-H-E, amen, is first mentioned here in Genesis chapter 14 and verse 20. And so, Abraham gave tithe to Melchizedek, and Melchizedek was the priest of the Most High God, and going by his name, Melchizedek, his name simply means the king of righteousness, the king of righteousness. That's Melchizedek. Okay? Melchi simply means king. Zedek is righteousness. Okay? So, Melchizedek. You look at it, the king of righteousness. Now, the Bible tells us very clearly that he was also um, the priest of the Most High God. Hallelujah. And he was the king of Salem. Salem being a particular uh, country or city, as the case may be here. Praise God. So he was the king of that city called Salem. And at the same time, he was the king of righteousness. And at the same time, he was called uh, the priest of the Most High God. So he was both a king and a priest. And he was the one that Abraham gave tithe to. Now, this type of tithing is attached to, associated with the office of the priest. Amen? Because if you read in the Bible, there are different types of tithes. Okay? There are different types of tithes. Primarily, there are three types of tithes. Amen? The first one is called the sacred or Levitical or priestly tithe. Okay? And it is found in Numbers, chapter number 18, if you read verse 21. Numbers 18 and verse 21. Quickly, it says, And behold, I have given the children of Levi all the tenth 
in Israel. That's the tithe, right? The tenth in Israel for an inheritance, for their service which they serve, even the service of the tabernacle of the congregation. So the tithe here is actually the tithe that is attached to the priestly office, which is the office of uh, the Levites. And that is called the Levitical or sacred or priestly tithe. Now, if you go to verse 24 of the same chapter, quickly, verse 24. It says, But the tithes of the children of Israel, which they offer as an eve offering unto the Lord, I have given to the Levites to inherit. Therefore, I have said unto them among the children of Israel that they shall have no inheritance. So, here, this is the tithe again, given to the priests under the Levitical priesthood. Amen? So that's the first kind of tithe. It is attached to the office of a priest. Now the second type is called the tithe of the feasts. The tithe of the feasts. In Deuteronomy chapter number 14, if you read from verse 22 to 27, Deuteronomy 14, 22 to 27, it tells us, it says, Thou shalt truly tithe all the increase of thy seed, that the field bringeth forth year by year. And thou shalt eat before the Lord thy God in the place which he shall choose to place his name there, the tithe of the corn, of, the wine, of thy wine, and of the oil, and of the firstlings of thy heads, and of thy flocks, that thou mayest learn to fear the Lord thy God always. And then verse 24, And if the way be too far or too long for thee, so that thou art not able to carry it, or if the place be too far from thee. It says, which the Lord thy God shall choose to set his name there. When the Lord thy God had blessed thee, verse 25, then shalt thou turn it into money and bind up the money in thine hand and shall go unto the place which the Lord thy God had, um, shall choose and thou shalt bestow that money for whatsoever thy soul lusted after, for oxen and for sheep or for wine or for strong drink, or for whatsoever thy soul desireth, and thou shalt eat there before the Lord thy God, and thou shalt rejoice, thou and thy household. Praise God. And then verse 27. And the Levite that is within thy gates, thou shalt not forsake him, for he had no part, no inheritance with thee. So this tithe is a special kind of tithe. Now the children of Israel had feasts that they celebrated annually. Praise God. And so this type of tithe is a tithe of the feast. So it says here, this tithe, you will buy things with the tithe, and then you will enjoy like a feast with people around you. Praise God. Now, this is not the Levitical or sacred or priestly tithe. It's a different type. Are you from what I'm saying here? All right. So for some people, they quote from this place, they say, the Bible says you should drink beer with your tithe, strong drink. All right? The Bible says you should eat your tithe. Call it feast and enjoy. Don't take your tithe to church. And then they show this portion of scriptures. This is an annual tithe. It's called the tithe of the feast. Praise God. All right? And this was under the Levitical priesthood and under the law. All right. The third type is called the tithe for the poor. The tithe for the poor. Amen? Now, Deuteronomy chapter number 14. Okay, just jump to verse 28, verses 28 and 29. Deuteronomy 14, 28 and 29. 
at the end of three years, thou shalt bring forth all the tithe of the increase of thine increase the same year, and shall lay it up within thy gates. And the Levite, because he had no part nor inheritance with thee, and the stranger and the fatherless, and the widow which are within thy gates, shall come and shall eat and be satisfied that the Lord thy God may bless thee in all the work of thine hand which thou doest. So this tithe is done three yearly. Hallelujah. Three years interval. Praise God. Look at verse 28. Okay. At the end of three years. Now the tithe for the poor is done every three years. Now, the tithe of the feast is done annually. But the Levitical or sacred tithe is given according to the increase God gives you per time. Are you for what I'm saying here? All right. Now, we understand that Abraham was not under the law, so he didn't give the tithe of the feast because there, was, there were no feasts to celebrate according to the law. The law came in 430 years after. Amen? And he didn't tithe to the poor, though he gave and remembered the poor, all right, but he did not tithe to the poor. For, for some people today, they quote this particular portion of scriptures, Deuteronomy 14, 28 to 29, and they say, you should give your tithe to the poor. Amen? They say you should give your tithe to the poor. The Bible says you should go and give your tithe to the poor. And then they quote from here, but because people are not well taught God's word, they believe it. And then they give their tithes to the poor. No, in the New Testament, we give to the poor. Amen? All right. We can also save up for annual conferences. Amen? Like GGC in our house here. Praise God. All right. Do some and a couple of other, you know, um, meetings or feasts. Praise God. Amen? But we don't spend our tithes on feast. But this was under the law. So when people quote from Deuteronomy 14, 22 to 29, and they tell you you should drink with your tithe, enjoy with your tithe, and then give the rest to the poor. Don't take it to church. And they give you those scriptures, you understand that they don't understand the Bible. They are ignorant. Amen. Are you for what I'm saying here? Good. So these are the three types. Levitical or sacred or priestly tithe, the tithe of the feast, and then the tithe for the poor. Now, if you look at the principle of tithing here, the principle of tithing primarily, okay, is that the tithe is the reward given to priests. Amen. It is the reward of priests. In other words, it was God's way of meeting the needs of priests. Now, priests were dedicated to the service of God, and they were go-between and mediators between men and God. And they were meant to be at the altar, to serve at the altar in the house of God. So, because of that dedication and devotion to the things of God and the service of God, they didn't have the privilege of doing secular things like other people. So, there was a design of God to take care of them. And that design was actually uh, tithing. 
It is the reward given to priests. Now, Numbers chapter number 18 and verse 21. Numbers 18 and verse 21. Now, it says, And behold, I have given the children of Levi all the tenth in Israel for what? An inheritance. For their service which they serve. Even the service of the tabernacle of the congregation. So, this is the reward given to priests. And the point here is that it is sacred unto God in that God calls it his own because the priests were representatives of God. Now, in Leviticus chapter 27 and verse 30, Leviticus 27 and verse 30, the Bible tells us, it says, And all the tithe of the land, whether of the seed of the land or of the fruit of the tree, is the Lord's. It is holy unto the Lord. So God calls the tithe his own. Why? Because the tithe is actually God's reward for priests who were dedicated to the service of the temple and who were go-betweens between God and the people. Praise God. So the tithe belongs to God and the tithe is God's reward system for priesthood. All right? And um, may I say this? This is very important. Um, If you look at the Levitical priesthood, that was not the first priesthood that began in scriptures. Before the Levitical priesthood, there were two types of priesthood. Amen? All right. The first priesthood, we read that in Genesis 14, 18 to 20, was the priesthood of Melchizedek. Now, Melchizedek here was the priest of the Most High God. Now, this was before the law was given. Now, the Levitical priesthood started with the law, and it was the priesthood under the law. Now, this kind of priesthood, Melchizedek, the priesthood of Melchizedek, was before the Levitical priesthood. Now, you understand that Abraham was before Levi, right? Good. Abraham gave birth to Isaac, Isaac gave birth to Jacob, Jacob gave birth to the 12 tribes of Israel, and Levi was one of the tribes of Israel. So, it was Abraham that gave tithe to Melchizedek here, before Levi was born physically. Okay? So, this type of priesthood existed before the Levitical priesthood. Amen? Good. Now, there's another kind of priesthood. It is called the priesthood of Midian. Jethro was a priest. How many of us know that? The father-in-law of Moses. You remember that? Good. And he was a priest and he wasn't serving idols. Amen. And I will show you from scriptures. So, um, the priesthood of Midian. Exodus chapter number 2. From verse 16 to 18. Exodus 2 from verse 16 to 18. Now the priest of Midian had seven daughters. And they came and drew water and filled the troughs to water their father's flock. And the shepherds came and drove them away. But Moses stood up and helped them and watered their flock. And when they came to Rio, Rio here is Jethro, their father. He said, how is it that ye are come so soon today? And they said, an Egyptian delivered us out of the hand of the shepherds and also drew water enough for us and watered the flock. 
Hallelujah. Amen. So you understand here that Jethro or Reu was a priest. Okay? And he was the priest of common now Midian. Now, in Exodus chapter number 3 and verse 1, okay, Exodus 3 and verse 1, it says, Now Moses kept the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law. Jethro. Okay? All right. The priest of Midian. The priest of Midian. You know, it was Moses that ordained Aaron and his sons into priesthood. This was before Moses was called of God. Okay, so this priesthood had existed before the Levitical priesthood. Are you from I'm saying here? Uh-huh. So, you know, Exodus chapter number 18. Quickly. If you look at verse 1, quickly. It says, when Jethro, the priest of Midian, Moses' father-in-law, heard of all that God had done for Moses and for Israel, his people, and that the Lord had brought Israel out of Egypt. So what did he do? Okay, jump to verse 12. Quickly, for time. Okay, and Jethro, Moses' father-in-law, took a burnt offering. Amen. And sacrifices for God. And Aaron came and all the elders of Israel to eat bread with Moses' father-in-law before God. Okay? Now, if you look at it, he actually sacrificed those things unto God. So, he believed in the God of Israel. So, he was not a priest after the order of paganism. Okay? He was a priest that believed in God. So somehow, Moses had an interaction with that kind of priesthood before he had an encounter with God at the burning bush and God sent him back to Egypt to deliver the children of Israel from the tyranny of Pharaoh. Amen? So you understand that before the Aaronic or Levitical priesthood started, there had been two kinds of priesthood. The, the priesthood of Melchizedek, hallelujah, and then the priesthood of Midian. Amen? Are we together here? Now, this is very important. So, people talking about the priesthood of Levi as though was the only kind of priesthood in the Bible, and when, you know, it ended, everything about Levi and everything said about it ended. It's strange. Because that was not the first type of priesthood. There had been some types of priesthood before the Levitical priesthood. Are you from saying here? It is, it's, it's there in God's word. Now, if you read on, there are other kinds of priesthood. Now, there is, we have identified how many now? Three. The first type, come on now, priesthood of Melchizedek. Okay, the second, of Midian. Good. The third, the Levitical priesthood. Good. Okay? Now, in Psalm 110 and verse 4, 110 and verse 4, it says, The Lord has sworn and will not repent. You are a priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. Now, this kind of priesthood is another kind of priesthood, but it is patterned after the order of Melchizedek. Now, what does that mean? It simply means that there's another kind of priesthood which stemmed from or out of the priesthood of Melchizedek. Praise God. 
Now, this is the priesthood of our Lord Jesus Christ. It is the priesthood of our Lord Jesus Christ. It is called the New Testament priesthood. The New Testament priesthood. Now, if you study the book of Hebrews, okay, for example, you read the book of Hebrews chapter number 7. And I want us to read Hebrews chapter number 7 when he began to talk about um, Melchizedek, the priesthood of Melchizedek. Start from verse 1 quickly. Okay, for this Melchizedek, king of Salem, priest of the Most High God, who met Abraham returning from the slaughter of the kings and blessed him. This Bible study, right? And so we're going to read the Bible. Okay, I'm not going to preach. I'm teaching. All right. To whom also Abraham gave a tenth part of all. That's the tithe, right? First being by interpretation, king of righteousness. And after that also, king of Salem, which is the king of peace. And then it tells us in verse 3, without father, without mother, without natural descent, having neither beginning of days nor end of life, but made like unto the Son of God, abided a priest for how long? Forever, continually. Okay, go on. It says, now consider how great this man was, unto whom even the patriarch Abraham gave the tenth of the spoils. And then the Bible tells us, and verily they that are of the sons of Levi, were, who received the office of the priesthood, have a commandment to take tithes of the people according to the law, that is, of their brethren, though they come out of the loins of Abraham. Go on. But he whose descent is not counted from them received tithes of Abraham and blessed him that had the promises. And without all contradiction, the less is blessed, come on now, of the better. Now, the point here is this, okay? There's a comparison between the priesthood of Melchizedek and the priesthood of Levi, the Levitical priesthood. Amen? Now, the writer of Hebrews is saying here that Father Abraham received a blessing from Melchizedek, the priest of the Most High God. And so, when he received the blessing, evidently, he must have taken a bow, amen, to receive the blessing. Because verse 7 tells us, without controversy, come on now, without contradiction, hello, the less is blessed of the... So, who blessed Abraham? Melchizedek. Okay? So Melchizedek blessed Abraham. So who was blessed? Abraham. Who blessed Abraham? Melchizedek. So who was better? Melchizedek. Who was less? Abraham. You you get it now. All right. So at the time that Abraham bowed to receive a blessing from Melchizedek, Levi was in his loins. So, Levi also bowed to receive a blessing from Melchizedek. Are you what I'm saying here? In other words, Levi subjected himself under Melchizedek in Abraham's loins to receive a blessing, all right, from Melchizedek that came upon Abraham, his great, great, great grandfather. Hello? Mm -hmm. So, in essence... What he's saying is this, that the priesthood of Levi, the Levitical priesthood, was subject to the priesthood of Melchizedek. True? Evidently. Evidently. Because even Father Abraham 
the great great grandfather of Levi bowed to receive a blessing from Melchizedek. Amen. So the Melchizedek priesthood is not the supreme reigning authoritative priesthood. It is the subjective priesthood. In other words, it was subject to the priesthood of Melchizedek. Is that clear? Amen. So, Levi is empowered to receive tithe of his own brethren because he had given tithe to Melchizedek in whom? In Abraham. Are you following what I'm saying here? So, that means he gave tithe. That means he had received the blessing from Melchizedek because Abraham gave tithe to Melchizedek not before Melchizedek blessed him. Amen. It was after. True? Check Genesis 14. Quickly, quickly, quickly. 18 to 20. Can we read out loud? 1, 2, 3, let's go. And Melchizedek, king of Salem, brought forth bread and wine, and he was the priest of the Most High God. Uh Uh-huh, 19. And he blessed him, Abraham, and said, Blessed be Abraham of the Most High God. Come on now. Uh Uh-huh, what then happened? And blessed be the Most High God, which had delivered thine enemies into thine hand. Uh Uh-huh. And he, Abraham, gave him what? Before or after? After. So you get it. So when Abraham gave tithes to Melchizedek, Levi gave tithes to Melchizedek in Abraham. Are you following what I'm saying here? So that means when Melchizedek blessed Abraham, <laughs> all right, Abraham received the blessing, Levi received the blessing as also. So that means Levi was less than the better one that blessed him. Are you following what I'm saying here? That's what the Bible is saying, Hebrews 7 there. Glory to God. So there's a priesthood superior to and greater than the priesthood of Levi. Amen. Come on now. I said amen. Amen. So now let's let's move on. So, Jesus Christ is a priest after the order of Melchizedek. A priest after the order of Melchizedek. Now, if you look at that same Hebrews chapter number 7, let me just quickly show you something here. Hebrews chapter number 7. Quickly. Now, if you, if you read on, it shows us something here. Um, if we start, let's read from verse, let's read from verse 12. Okay? For the priesthood being changed, there is made of necessity a change also of the law. Go on. For if for he of whom these things are spoken pertinent to another tribe of which no man gave attendance at the altar. For it is evident that our Lord sprang out of Judah, of which tribe Moses speak nothing concerning priesthood. And it is yet far more evident that for that, after the similitude of Melchizedek, there ariseth another priest, 
who is made not after the law of a carnal commandment, but after what? The power of an endless life. So another priest. For he testified. You remember Psalm 110 and verse 4 that we read. For he testified. Thou art come on now a priest for how long? Forever. After whose order? The order of Melchizedek. So he's speaking of Jesus Christ here. Read on. For there is verily a disannulling of the commandment going before for the weakness and unprofitableness thereof. For the law made nothing perfect, but the bringing in of a better hope did, by the which he withdraw nigh unto God. Amen. We can go on and on. But the point here is that there's another priesthood after the order of Melchizedek, and that's the priesthood of Jesus Christ. Amen. Hello. Okay. Which is superior to and greater than the priesthood of Levi. True? Evidently. 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 So, now, when Abraham gave tithe to Melchizedek, Levi was in his loins. So, Levi gave tithe to, to Melchizedek and was empowered under the law to receive tithe of his own brethren. Amen. So, did tithing start with Levi? Hello? Did tithing start with Levi? Now, Levi didn't even start by receiving tithe, if you go by the word of God. He started by what? Giving tithe in Abraham. Are you following what I'm saying here? All right. So, this is clear from scriptures. Now, the fourth kind of priesthood all right, which we have looked at is the priesthood of our Lord Jesus Christ, of which we are partakers. Hebrews chapter number three. Now we have looked at how many types of priesthood now. Let's let's just review quickly. Number one, Melchizedek. Number two, Midian. Number three, Levitical. Number four. Okay, good. All right. So go to Hebrews three and verse one. Quickly. It says, wherefore, holy brethren, partakers of, come on now, the heavenly calling, consider the apostle and high priest of our profession, Christ Jesus. So, he's the high priest of our profession. So, we are partakers of that high calling of God with him, the heavenly calling. The Bible says we are partakers of the heavenly calling. Now, God called him to be priest. Now, go to Hebrews chapter number 5, quickly. And let's start reading from verse 1. Okay, it says, For every high priest taken from among men is ordained for men in things pertaining to God, that he may offer both gifts and sacrifices for sin. Go on, for sins. Who can have compassion on the ignorant and on them that are out of the way, for that he himself is compassed with infirmity? Verse 3. For by reason that hereof he ought... As for the people, so also for himself to offer for sins. Glory to God. Verse 4. And no man taketh this honor unto himself, but he that is called of God, even as was Aaron. Alright? So also Christ glorified not himself to be an high priest, but he that saith unto him. There was a calling. And that calling is in verse 4 of Psalm 110. Right? Alright? He that said unto, that said unto him, Thou art my son, today have I begotten thee. Go on, 
Read on. And he said also in another place, Thou art a priest for how long? Forever after the other man. So here, we understand that the calling is talking about here is the high priestly calling of our Lord Jesus Christ. And then chapter 3 and verse 1, the Bible tells us very clearly, Hebrews 3 and verse 1, Wherefore, holy brethren, partakers of what? The heavenly calling of Christ's priesthood. We are partakers. Can someone say amen to that? We are partakers. So we have four different types of priesthood here in scriptures. And the priesthood of our Lord Jesus Christ is the New Testament priesthood of which we are partakers. But it is not a stand-alone priesthood. It, it is a priesthood patterned after the order of Melchizedek. Glory to God. Man, it's clear from scriptures. Now, did Abraham give tithe to another person apart from Melchizedek? Huh? No, we don't have the records. No. He gave tithe to Melchizedek. Now, the priesthood of Jesus Christ is after whose... Come on now, whose order? Talk to me now. The order, the order of Melchizedek. So, the order of Melchizedek here simply means that it is the order of a priest or priesthood that continues for what? Ever. It is not time-bound or time-based. It is an ever forever priesthood amen come on now i said amen. amen now understand that tithing is not attached to all right a dispensation it is not based on dispensation it is based on priesthood it is something that is based on priesthood it is not a testament thing amen it's just like a worker working, all right? Your salary is not based on um, whether it is festive season or not. Even when you are on leave, official leave, with pay, you still get salary. True? Uh-huh. So, you see, your salary is based on the fact that you are a worker. It's your reward as a worker. Are you from saying here? It is, it is not based on whether you are male or female. So you see, the issue of tithing is not based on a dispensation. So it cannot be dispensational. It is actually based on priesthood. It started with Melchizedek, Abraham giving tithe to Melchizedek. All right, and then Jacob made a vow. Okay? In Genesis chapter number 28, I want you to see this. Genesis chapter number 28. And I'd like for us to start the reading here from verse, let's start from verse 20. And Jacob vowed a vow saying, if God will be with me and will keep me in this way that I go and will give me bread to eat and raiment to put on. So that I come again to my father's house in peace. He says, then shall the Lord be my God. The Lord shall be my God. Amen. And this stone, which I have set for a pillar, shall be God's house. Now you can see here, he was making a vow 
in a place called Laws. And he had an encounter with God at that place. If you start reading from verse 12, all right, you read to verse 20. So he had an encounter. He saw a ladder set upon the earth, the other end reaching unto heaven. And he saw angels ascending and descending upon the ladder. And he woke up. He said, so the Lord has been here and I didn't know it. Amen. And he called the name of that place Bethel, the house of God. Amen. And he also called it the gate of heaven, the portal of heaven. Glory to God. Are you what I'm saying here? Hello? Hello? Good. So you can see it there. Then he now anointed a stone there. And he said, Lord, if you will keep my going out to my uncle's place, Laban, and bring me back, feed me, put clothes on my back, protect me, amen, glory to God. He said, here, I will build you a house. So, he came back, according to, you know, scriptures, and built God a house there, and then he gave his tithe there in the house of God. Now, you can see tithing before the Levitical order of tithing. Okay? First, it was Abraham that tithed to Melchizedek. Second, Jacob made a vow that he was going to give God tithe at the place called the house of God. So you can see tithing is related to priesthood and the house of God. He said he will bring his tithe here to this place, this house. Amen. So it has to do with priesthood in the house of God. Amen. I mean, it's that simple. And I, I need you to note something here very clearly. Okay? So these are the two references of tithing before the law. Genesis 14 and Genesis 28. Genesis 14, 18 to 20 and Genesis 28. 28, uh, 20 to 22. Amen. Are we together? Good. Now, someone said, well, did Isaac tithe? We don't know. There's no record that he gave tithe. Amen. Now, one may assume that he tithe, but we don't know. But we understand that Abraham tithe and Jacob promised to give his tithe, which he redeemed. Amen. Are we together? Good. So, where did he learn it from? Maybe from Isaac? Maybe Isaac told him of the story of how Abraham tied to Melchizedek. We don't know. We don't have the records. Amen. But what we know is that Abraham gave tithe to Melchizedek and Jacob made a vow that he was going to bring his tithe to the house of God, Bethel. Amen. Good. So if we read on, all right, we understand here that the New Testament priesthood is a different kind of priesthood. In that, you know, if you compare it with the priesthood of Levi, all right, the difference is clear. Now, the first difference here in the New Testament priesthood is that 
Everyone in Christ is a priest. Amen. Revelation chapter number 1 and verse 6. Amen. Now, if you look at uh, the Levitical priesthood, it was only the tribe of Levi that could be priest in Israel. All right? Other tribes didn't have that privilege. So it was one out of 12. Amen. But in the New Testament, we are all priests. Can someone say hallelujah? All right. Now, Revelations 1 and verse 6, it says, And he hath made us kings and priests unto our God and his Father, and to him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. Revelations 5 and verse 10. Revelations 5 and verse 10, it says, And has made us unto our God kings and priests, and we shall reign on the earth. Okay? Now, the Apostle Peter summarized it this way in 1 Peter 2 and verse 9. 1 Peter 2 and verse 9, he tells us, it says, But ye are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood. Royal priesthood here simply means kingly priest. Kingly priest. A kingdom of priests. Glory to God. I said glory to God. Now, if you look at the two types of priesthood before the Levitical priesthood, all right, the pattern of priesthood was different from the Levitical order or pattern of priesthood. Now, Melchizedek was a king. He was a political um, figure. Amen. He was a king and at the same time, what? The priest of the Most High God. Now, Jethro was a businessman. He had a herd. Are you from what I'm saying here? All right. And he was also a priest, the priest of Midian. It's only the Levitical priesthood that is locked up within the temple. Amen. That they were just priests. But that was not God's dream, God's order. God wanted to make the children of Israel a kingdom of priests. Hello. All right. In other words, it is not just priesthood that is limited to priesthood, but priesthood that is actually priesthood with an expression to show the kingdom of God, the government of God in the earth. Amen? Are you for what I'm saying here? Good. Now, if you read on in the New Testament, there is priesthood at the general assembly all right level and that simply means that everyone is a priest everyone amen but there's priesthood at another level in the new testament priesthood has hierarchy amen now if you look at priesthood under the levitical order it also had hierarchy the levites amen and then you now have Aaron and his sons. Now, the Levites, Aaron and his sons. Aaron was the high priest under the Levitical priesthood. And then he had sons that ministered alongside him. And then the general priesthood, the Levites. Now, in the New Testament, priesthood also has hierarchy. There's the general assembly of priests, everyone born again. If you're a child of God, you are a priest. Amen? Are we together? Now, there's another level which is called ministry gifts. 
Now, this level is higher than the general assembly level of priesthood. Look at Ephesians chapter number 4. Okay? Ephesians 4. If you start reading from verse 8 to verse 11, it says, Wherefore he saith, when he ascended upon high, he led captivity captive and gave gifts unto men. Now that he ascended, what is it but that he also descended first into the lower parts of the earth? And then he that descended is the same also that ascended up far above all heavens, that he might fill all things. Verse 11. And he gives some, come on now, apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors, and, and fivefold. For what purpose? For what? The perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. So there are people who are meant to perfect the saints. They are called ministry gifts. So it's a higher level of priesthood. Amen? It is a higher level of priesthood. So that means even in the New Testament, there are still some people who are devoted to the service of God, all right, full time. Are you sure I'm saying here? All right, when other priests go to work, and they are doing business, serving in different places in the secular setting. All right, there are people whose job is to devote their time to the service of God in the house of God for expansion of the kingdom of God, to study the word and pray and teach the body of Christ the word of God, perfecting the saints for the work of the ministry for the edifying of the body of Christ. Amen. All right. Like we had the apostles in the New Testament. They were devoted to the ministry of the word of God and prayer. Peter stood up in Acts of the Apostles chapter number 6 and verse 4. It says, but we'll give ourselves continually to prayer and to the ministry of the word. So there are people who are given continually to prayer and the ministry of the word. They labor in doctrine. They labor in the word of God. The Bible says they are worthy of common now double honor. So here, it's talking about the honor of men who are devoted to the cause of the kingdom of God. And these people are meant to be honored as priests at that level. Hello. I mean, it's clear from scriptures. So 1 Timothy 5 and verse 17, let the elders that rule well, the Bible says, be counted worthy of double honor. Especially they who labor in the word and doctrine. So double honor here is the kind of honor that should go to elders, not olders. Pastors, teachers of the word, ministry gifts who rule well. And the Bible says they labor in the word and doctrine. It says they are worthy of double honor. The double honor here simply means that they are meant to be what? Rewarded. Amen. All right. Are we following? Okay. So, the order of reward under the Melchizedek priesthood was tithe. The order of reward under the Levitical priesthood was tithe. Okay. Should the order of reward under the New Testament priesthood be any different? Now, it's if something for you to consider. 
Glory to God. All right. Now, if we read on, we understand from scriptures here that when the early church started, in Acts of the Apostles chapter 2, the early church was born. All right. The pattern of ministry they ran was actually different from the pattern of ministry that other apostles ran thereafter and different from the pattern of ministry that we run right now, okay, because of change and transformation in the ministry of the word of God and the ministry of ministering to people unto edification. It was different. For example, the synagogues or the temples built to service Judaism as a religion, all right, had been there before Christianity began. So we even saw the apostles going to prayer in the hour of prayer in the temple. It was not a temple built for Christians. It was built for, come on now, Jews. And the Jews built the temple to service the order of Judaism as a religion. So, but when the apostles went to the temple or the believers who were Jews went to the temple, they did not worship God after the order of Judaism. They worshiped God after the order of faith in Jesus Christ, the New Testament. Amen? They prayed to God the Father in the name of Jesus Christ. So if you read Acts of the Apostles, chapter number 3, there was a man who was, you know, lame at the gate called Beautiful at, at the temple. Peter and John were going to the temple at the hour of prayer. Amen. So they didn't have an organized system as we have it today where you have a temple, a church building, and people will come to worship God in the temple. They did house fellowship. They worshiped God. They sang house to house, house to house. They were moving from one house to another. In Acts of the Apostles chapter 2, if you start reading from verse 40, Okay, Acts of the Apostles chapter 2 and verse 40. And with many other words did he testify and exhort, saying, Save yourselves from this untoward generation. Go on. Then they that gladly received the word, his word, were baptized. And the same day they were added unto them about, come on now, 3,000 souls. Okay, verse 42. And they continued steadfastly in what? The apostles' doctrine and fellowship and in breaking of bread and in prayers. Go on. And fear came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were done by the apostles. And all that believed were together and had all things. Come on now. Come on. Glory to God. And so their possessions and and on and on like that. Go on quickly. And they, continuing daily with one accord in the temple. So they were in the temple. Was it the temple of Christians? No. It was the temples for Jews. They were there. And breaking bread, come on now, from house to house, did eat their meat with gladness and singleness of heart. So they gathered in different places, not in an organized system as we have it today. The church just started. The church was just an infant at the time. Amen? All right. So, but we saw two different patterns of ministry. And we saw that in Peter, and we also saw it in Paul. Now, in Peter, which is called the Petrine pattern, 
of ministry. And then in Paul, the Pauline pattern. Now, the Petrine pattern was that Peter led about his sister and Peter collected things from the brethren. All right, goods, services, money, farm produce, praise God. And collected those things from the brethren to take care of him and his household in the preaching of the gospel. But Paul didn't collect anything from anybody. Okay? Because Paul didn't want the Gentile to think that he came all the way from Jerusalem to rip them off. So he didn't collect anything from them. And it was deliberate. Okay? So you hear some people say, if you want to do ministry the New Testament way, Pauline, Pauline, you have to go Pauline. <laughs> Hallelujah. All right? That you should have a job by the side and work. Earn your money. Preach the gospel. People may give, they may not give. Take money from your salary and take care of the work of the ministry that you do. All right? But Paul himself said this pattern was his choice, not an ordination from God. Hello. Now, 1 Corinthians chapter 9. Let's look at it. Are we together? <laughs> Pastor Laula, are you here? <laughs> Amen. Are we together? All right. You know, preaching is what wakes people up. He has to preach. Like, you know, God, God, who? Yay! And people are screaming, screaming, screaming. But teaching is for people whose hearts are open. You hear it, it will sink deep into you. Can someone say amen to that? Uh-huh. All right. So, this is powerful. First Corinthians chapter number 9. Quickly. And let's start the reading here from verse 3. We'll read, it's a long read, from verse 3 to verse 14. 1 Corinthians 9, 3 to verse 14. All right, let's start from verse 4. Now, can we read together? And I want you to read, read out loud. I want your voice to go up. All right, read out loud. Glory to God. Come on now, let's go. Have we not power to eat and drink? Uh-huh. Have we not power to lead about a sister, a wife, as well as other apostles? And as the brethren of the Lord and Cephas. Now, you see, the pattern there, they led about the sister. Everywhere they went, they went with their wives. Okay? And probably their children. And the church there where the minister took care of them. Petrine. Amen? Even the brother of the Lord, James, did the same. But Paul didn't do that. So he was asking, is it that we don't have the power authority to lead about a sister? Are you from what I'm saying here? All right. As well as other apostles and as the brethren of the Lord and Cephas. Now go on. Verse, verse 6. Quickly, let's go. All I only and Barnabas have not we power to forbear walking. In other words, is it that we don't have a right to stop walking as tent makers and just focus on the, on the gospel, the preaching of the gospel, so that you should take care of us? was asking, is it that we don't have that right? So it was their right. Are you following what I'm saying here? Now, look at it. Verse 7. Let's read out loud. One, two, three, let's go. Who goet a warfare anytime at his own charges? Who planted a vineyard and eateth not of the fruit thereof? Or who feedeth a flock and eateth not of the milk of the flock? Uh-huh. Verse 8. 
Say I these things as a man, or said not the law the same also. Okay? For it is written in the law of Moses, Thou shalt not muzzle the mouth of the ox that treadeth out the corn. Doth God take care of for oxen? Amen. Go on, verse 10. Or seeth he it altogether for our sakes? For our sakes, no doubt. Please wait. For our sakes. Does that include him? Yeah, for our sakes. In other words, he had the right to do it, but he just didn't do it. So, the Pauline order or pattern of ministry when it comes to remuneration, reward, amen, was not, you know, the pattern of scriptures. It was just his choice. And this is what people preach and say, if you want to preach the gospel, go and work, make some money, all right, sponsor the gospel all by yourself. That's how to, you know, do ministry. Don't, you know, say people should give. People shouldn't give at all. All right? They may give, they may not give. <laughs> For itinerant ministry, that may work. For church ministry where you have 10 pastors pastoring, you have, like, other administrative staff. <laughs> that may not work. Are you following what I'm saying here? This is the church still growing. You remember when Paul wrote to the church at Philippi, Philippians chapter number 4, if you start reading from verse 14 to um, 19, he said, all through my journey from the beginning of the gospel, no church communicated with me concerning what? Giving and receiving body only. He said, when I was in Thessalonica, you even sent things to me in Thessalonica. I was pastoring them there. I didn't collect anything from them. You were taking care of me. From Philippi, you were sending things to Thessalonica. Amen. Are you following what I'm saying here? So you understand that this was his choice because he just didn't want to hinder the gospel at that time. But that is not a biblical pattern. Hello, Claire. Read on. Let's start again from verse 10. One, two, three, let's go. Let's go. Or said he it also for our sakes, for our sakes. No doubt, this is written, that he that ploweth should plow in what? Hope. And he that treasureth in hope should bear, be partaker of his hope. So whosoever is plowing should plow in what? Hope. Hope of what? Hope of reward. When you go to work, do you go to work hopeless? <laughs> in hope of salary. <laughs> Man, praise God. Are we together here? <laughs> All right, now read on, verse 11. One, two, three, let's go. For if we have sown unto you spiritual things, is it a great thing if we shall reap your carnal things? Now look at it. Is it a great thing? Paul is saying it's not a great thing. It's our right. Hello. Now go on, verse 12. Quickly, if others be partakers, out loud now, come on now. If others be partakers of this power over you, are not we rather, nevertheless, we have not used this power, but suffer all things, lest we should hinder the gospel of Christ. Are you what I'm saying here? Because the church was still very young. It's just like you're going to a place, a new place, and the first thing you taught them after they got born again is how to give heavily, sacrificially. <laughs> like, like three quarters of the people may disappear from church. Are you what I'm saying here? That's not the first thing. Establish them in the faith first. A young church, Paul said, we didn't want to hinder the gospel. Amen. Are we together? 
Now go on verse 13. Read it out loud. One, two, three, let's go. Is it 12? I've read 12. Go, 13 now. Let's go. Do you not know that they which minister about holy things live of the things of the temple? And they which wait at the altar are partakers with the altar. Wait, wait. Go back to verse 13. So which temple is he talking about here? And which altar? Amen. Did they have temples for Christians in the early church? They didn't. Hello? It was subsequently that order came in and they started having temples, structured places of worship. Amen? So he was referring to the temple in the Old Testament and the altar in the Old Testament. So he was drawing a parallel between the reward system of the Old Testament and that of the New Testament. Are you what I'm saying here? It's simple. Do you not know that they which minister about holy things live of the things of the temple and they which wait at the altar are also partakers with the altar? Look at verse 14. Quickly, let's read it out loud. Even so had the Lord. So you can see the parallel. Even so in the same manner. Now can, can, we, can you give us even so in many translations? Amen. Alright. Okay. NIV. Come on now. In the same way. Who commanded? Lord. Come on, who commanded? So, you cannot pattern ministry after Paul and say it's Pauline that we are doing. Amen? Let people give. You may give it back to church. Hello. Yeah. So, this is the reward system here. Look at message translation. Along the same lines. Are you from what I'm saying here? Even so, had the Lord ordained or commanded that they which preach the gospel should live of what? The gospel. Who commanded it? Paul? No, I can't hear you. Paul? So, how were priests taken care of under the Old Testament? Amen? Tithes and offerings. I mean, it's that simple. Tithes and offerings. Amen? Now, drawing that parallel, we can say that even so, in the same manner, in the same way, had the Lord ordained that they which preach the gospel should live of the gospel. Amen? So, the point here is that this is God's ordination. Rewarding ministry gates who are totally, completely, fully devoted to the preaching and the teaching of God's word is New Testament to the core. Hello, yeah, honorarium is New Testament. Hello, Galatians 6 6. Okay, look at it quickly. Let him that is taught, come on now, in the word, communicate unto him that teacheth in all good things. Show it to us in a message translation just for you to see something there. All right, quickly. Be very sure now, you who have been trained to self-sufficient maturity, that you enter into a generous common life with those who have trained you. Generous. Sharing all good things that you have and experience. Okay? So, it's, it's, it's clear. Amen? <laughs> Hello? Hello? It's there in God's word, clearly. So, 
So in 1 Timothy 5, 17 to 18, he calls it double honor. Okay? So honor ministers. Established doctrine in the New Testament to honor ministers. So the question is how? All right? What is the measure of honor that is meant to be given to New Testament ministers? Amen. When I say honor here, no, it's not greeting people. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. I'm talking about reward. Do you understand what I'm saying here? <laughs> Amen. <laughs> Glory to God. All right. So, what is the honor that should be given to ministers? Amen. First Timothy 5:17 calls it double honor. Okay. Galatians 6, 6, he says, in all good things, communicate unto them that him that teacheth in all good things. Okay? Now, 1 Corinthians 9, if you read from verse 4 to 14 that we just read, all right, he says, you should honor them. They should partake of your canal. Canal does not mean sensual things. <laughs> they shouldn't partake of your canality. I what I'm saying here. They should partake, <laughs> they should partake of your material things. Amen? Amen. Yeah. Okay, look at NIV. It says, if we have sown spiritual seed among you, is it too much if we reap a material harvest from you? All right, what's the message transition? Let's look at it again. Message. So if we have planted spiritual seed among you, is it out of line to expect a meal or two from you? (laughs) All right. Amen. Are we together? (laughs) Glory to God. All right, so let me say this. This is very important. Okay. Now, there's no place in the New Testament, hear me well, all right, where we are told not to tithe. Show me. There's no place in the New Testament where believers, New Testament believers, are told not to tithe. Some may say, well, you know, it has been abolished with the law. No, we have proven that it, is, it, is, it didn't start with the law, it's a priesthood thing. Are you following what I'm saying here? There's no place in the New Testament where we are told not to tithe. If you can show me a scripture, I'll, I'll, I'll be glad. Search through. I've read my Bible several times. Amen? Glory to God. Are we together? There's no place. Amen. But there are places where we are told to honor ministry gifts. I mean, three, four, five references in scriptures. We will have it there. Amen. So the question is, if we take a toll from the parallel drawn in 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verses 13 and 14, would we be wrong? Question. Are you from what I'm saying here? Since we don't have a clear-cut scripture that says tithe in the New Testament has been abolished, you can't, you can't show it to me that it tells us that in the New Testament, tithe is abolished. 
Amen. It's, it's not there. Now, we cannot find it either in the New Testament where it says that we should tithe, black and white, give tithe. But by induction or inference. Inference. Come on, say inference. All right. We can see it that drawing that parallel from 1 Corinthians 9, 13 to 14. Double honor. And we just take a reference from how the priests were honored under the law. Amen. And we take a reference from there. How Abraham honored Melchizedek. And how Jacob vowed to bring the tithe to the house of God, Bethel. Then we can tell that, look, this thing can be referenced to Abraham, referenced to Jacob, and even referenced to Levi that partook of the privilege of tithing by extension, not by initiation. It did not originate with Levi. Amen? It's simple. So the least kind of giving we give in the New Testament is to first and foremost bring what? The tithe. Someone says, well, what if I don't have the tithe and I bring something less than the tithe? How come Abraham didn't give Melchizedek 5%? How come Jacob didn't vow 5%? How did he know that it was 10%? Was it just a choice? If it was a choice or just a coincidence... Why did he repeat itself again in Genesis 28? That his grandson made a vow of 10%, the 10th. What is it about the 10th? Amen? Can I bring 5% to the house of God as, you know, uh, well, I'm just giving 5%, I'm New Testament. All right? Would that be acceptable? All right, so let me give you an example. When we invite ministers to minister in church, all right, there's a way we have, you know, classified and graded them. We have contemporaries, we have senior ministers, and we have fathers. Are you what I'm saying here? We have decided the minimum honor to give to them. You see, you can't say you honor me and give me something that is not worth my honor, the honor that I carry, and you call it honor. The honor that we know from scriptures established, giving to priest is the tenth. Brought to the house of God is the tenth. I mean, so we can then say we're adding something on top. Fine. But should it be less than the tenth? Question. No. Very simple. If my father in the Lord comes here, holds the mic, and he coughs, <coughs> amen, and he says, God bless you, and he leaves, all right? And a minister came here, and he preaches and preaches for three hours. We'll honor him, the minister. What we give a father is greater because the coughing, he carries honor. Are you flapsing? It's the honor of a father. Your father may not have all his teeth together anymore. All right? It does not mean that if he now comes to visit you because he can't eat meat, it's one piece of meat you now put there in the plate. You can't do that. Let him pick. He may not even eat anything. I said, it's his honor. Give it to him. 
boy. There are people you know, you invite them to speak. All right? Just in your company. But you know their weight. They are going to speak for 30 minutes. Somebody is going to teach throughout the conference. And it's times 10 of what the person that is teaching throughout the conference that you give somebody who is just teaching for 30 minutes. And then you'll you be like, ah, why not? It's called weight. It's weight. It's called honor. Boy. Pastor, like, do you know what I'm saying here? Because there's something that person will say to your staff that will change their lives. It's <laughs> just one thing. He will just, you know, just say something. Say, I remember when I was in Tokyo and I was just talking to one of my colleagues, and, and, and the other person comes to telling you the principles of workmanship, the principles of this and all that, you know, and showing you all the principles, drawing diagrams and everything. This person comes, is telling you, well, hmm, I'm not sure. I really took time to prepare, but I'm just going to talk to you from my belly. He <laughs> said, please, that's the belly we want. <laughs> just say something from that belly. Are you following what I'm saying here? Amen. So this is the point. So the Lord that came... 430 years after cannot abolish the principle of tithing that had been in existence before the law. Amen. Alright. So, I have more to say for, for time. I rest my case. Have you been blessed? <laughs> you didn't sound like you've been blessed. <laughs> because it's tithing, you're not saying yes. <laughs> Have you been blessed? <laughs> All right. All right, stand up and give the Lord a shout of hallelujah. <laughs> Glory to God. Amen. God bless you greatly. Now, I don't want you to be moved. You know, go over those scriptures. That was why I gave you scriptures. Go over those scriptures again and again and again. Amen. And be established in scriptures. Okay, whatever is flying around, don't let that move you. All right, let your conviction be premised on scriptures. God bless you.